Welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where the past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Lord has burdened my heart with a word this morning. I know last week Jim Jim White said he's not big on titles, and there was a time I wasn't either. But I I come to understand that if what God has put in my heart, if I can't put a title to it, it's probably not going to be clear. It's kind of like the title of the book. It kind of should be what the book's about. And, and so I, I, I put titles and things first and foremost so that it makes sense when we put them on our podcast. But also, if I get, the title is actually the last thing I usually put down because if, if what I'm hearing, if I can't collapse it into a title, then I probably aren't hearing clear enough. Does that make sense? So this morning, I'm, I'm burdened to share with you a, a thought that simply says that changes nothing. I know we often hear the word, that changes everything. But there's something that God wants to tell us today that that changes nothing. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And it says this, very popular, if you will, verse that's talked about a lot today but I think there's something about this whole word that we're missing through the prophet Jeremiah God is speaking to his people and he said this for I know the thoughts that I think towards you says the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me? Father, what a privilege it is to be your son. And I'm humbled and I'm honored to to stand before people that you love with your life, tasked with sharing your heart with them. Holy Spirit, let's be real. You're the real preacher here today. Would you you help me to share Father's heart in such a way that you could do something with it in each of our lives? I thank you that if you speak, then the word will not return void. It will accomplish that which you have sent it to do. I stand on that today. I bind every hindering spirit. I I take authority over every contrary voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God starts this verse off very simply. I know. It isn't isn't that the isn't that the crux of it all? The gap between what he knows and what we know. The, the disparity between what's in the heart of God and what our experience, isn't that the, the struggle? And yet he, he said, if any man lack wisdom, 
He said, ask. I, I think it ought to be our, our life's task to find out what's in the heart of the Father about us. I, I, think, I think that this movement in the body of Christ to chase your destiny, the reality is I can't find anybody in the Scripture that ever chased their destiny. Their destiny always found them. Whether it's Moses in the burning bush or Ruth gleaning and Boaz happens along or let's just go on and on. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she wasn't chasing. She wasn't a candidate to be the Virgin Mary. Hey, pick me. Everybody that God ever used, their destiny, if you will, found them. That's a word for somebody. Because if we were meant to chase after our destiny, there'd be some examples. But I see Jesus finding a guy by a tree. Say, you follow me. You drop your net. Follow me. You follow me. I, I see Jesus walking into a, uh, the pool of Bethesda and say, you, it's your day. I see Paul riding on a horse going the opposite direction of his destiny. Come on, folks. And, and what we need is, is not our destiny. We need to know his thoughts towards us. And if we're going to get those thoughts, then he, there's only one place, and it's found in him. It's found in getting in his word. It's found in getting in his face. Read the Word of God and let it become alive to you and a living epistle, a living book. And, and, and then go to God and, and, and ask Him because He said here, I know the thoughts. And that word know is a very important word. It's a word of intimacy. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. To know is just more than a, a, a base understanding or knowledge. It's an intimacy with that. He He's intimate with the words and thoughts that he has towards you. And that's, that's key. They're toward you. And I, it's, it, it's hard for me to describe what I, I sense the Holy Spirit telling me about this. But, but, you know, sometimes we have good thoughts about people. But he specifically chose not to use the word that means about. But it's the word toward. And, 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 and so what that means is his thoughts are not just something he keeps to himself. They're not just resident. They're not just thoughts that he, he goes around carrying. They're thoughts towards you. There's a, there's a purpose to it. With those thoughts are, are also the empowering of it. You see, he doesn't simply think good thoughts towards John. There is with that also the, the, the power for John to be what God intended him to be. Is this making sense to anybody? These are, these are thoughts toward you. He's not keeping them to himself. He's toward you. And these are thoughts of peace and not evil. Which is 
a weird way to say something. We would have almost expected him to say thoughts of good and not evil. Because you and I want to slot something all the time. We want to determine, ever since the garden, we want to determine what's good and what's evil. And we try to force God into the same mold. We think that God is like us, always trying to make something either good or evil. But God's two descriptions are different. He says it's evil, either peace or evil. You see, God has not been made in our image. We've been made in his. And I've said it before, we've got to the place in the church that we no longer serve the God who made us. We've made a God who serves us. And he has a divide between peace and evil. Can I tell you that most likely anything that's trying to steal your peace is evil? It's the will of God that we operate from a place of peace. It's the will of God. He, he, Jesus himself said, I, I, I give you peace. It's, it's something he gives us. You, you don't, we're, we're, you know, we're just a, a few weeks away from Christmas. That's a scary thought, isn't it? I know there's somebody in this room, you've already got your shopping done, and shame on you for making the rest of us look bad. I don't like those people who wait till the day before Christmas, go out and shop. Do you? That aggravates me. They're in my way when I'm out there. It's like, you people should have thought ahead so that when I came... called hypocrite folks it's what it is I was going somewhere with that thoughts of peace he we do not work towards a gift you a prize is something you've earned but as a gift is something you receive And so Jesus said, I, you know what he said? I, I know in this world you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And we would, if you're not careful, you'd think, well, that's good for you, but what about me? He said, I'm going to give you peace. I'm just going to give it to you. If, if I walked up to you and gave something to you, you didn't earn it. This really isn't about you. It's about me. And the peace of God is really not about you. It's about him because he knows that the lack of peace can get you in trouble. How I many know what I'm talking about? You don't have peace. You can get into trouble. You make dumb decisions. That's why they tell you when they, when they call, you got to buy right now. Right now. 
I mean, you can't wait. You, you, no, if we get off the phone, the deal's over. How many have heard the phone, that kind of phone call? That the deal's off. You have to buy right now. I'm, I can't, no. Buy it now or it's gone. What are you talking about? That car's been on your lot for three months. I had a car salesman do that to me once, and I said, right now, now, or you'll never get the deal again. I said, I'll see you. <laughs> I would have bought it if he hadn't have said that. Peace. You operate from peace. And so God's perspective is, my thoughts towards you are thoughts of peace. You need to know something. Somebody who this morning, you're going through it, I want you to know something. The thoughts of the Heavenly Father towards you are thoughts of peace. And I've learned in my life that I need to operate from a place of peace. I I need to make sure that I start my day with, with focusing on Him for a few moments because I want you to know something. He's at peace. He is seated right now at the right hand of the Father knowing that His enemies are under His feet. We got to get out of this idea that God is warring. No, no, he won the war already. This is settled law in the heavens. And his will towards you and I is peace and not of evil. And then it says in a future and a hope. Now we got to get this because I've seen the posters out there with this verse on it. I've heard people say it and they often reverse those two words. Do you know God said what he meant and he meant what he said? It is not, as you'll see on many of the posters, a hope and a future. That's not what it said. You'll hear people quote this verse and they'll often say, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. But the Bible doesn't say hope and a future. When you do that, you betray that you don't understand what he's really doing. He doesn't give you a hope and a future. He gives you the future first. Here's why that's important. Here's why you've got to get this settled down into your thing, into your heart. Because everything he does, he does opposite of us. In the kingdom, it's not like it is in our world. In our world, if you want to be first, you've got to be first. In the kingdom of God, you want to be first, go to the back of the line. If you want to be the head, be the servant. If you want to live, you got to die. If you want to gain, you got to give. And in the kingdom of, in our kingdom, when we see a problem, we start at the beginning and we work towards the end of the problem. And if we're not careful... We'll get this ideology that that's how God operates. But that's not how God operates. God operates by fixing the problem and then working backwards. Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world was ever laid. Here's what it said. When God planned all of this, he knew we'd blow it. So before he ever released the universes into existence, it was already predetermined that Jesus was going to die for us. 
God didn't show up in the garden and say, Adam and Eve, what did you do? I got to, man, I got I to gotta fix this now. I got to work this out. I want to tell you something this morning. You need to get this. God is not working on your problems. Whatever your bondage you're in, God is not working to free you of that. Whatever mountain you face, God is not working to move that mountain. He already freed you from that. He already has moved the mountain. He has already made you victorious in this. And then to get you to what he already provided for you, he strings a rope called hope. Because he works from the finish back to the beginning. And and so between where you are right now and where he's trying to get you, you need to know he's already, it's a table prepared for you in the presence of your enemy. We, we traveled once and, and for, on business. I, w- I was 17 years old and I, I was doing a favor for a friend of my father's and it meant driving down to Georgia and picking up some dollhouses that this guy had handmade. And the trip was such that my brother and I, we, we got there at 11 o'clock at night. We rolled in and this old couple, they were, I, I don't know how old, in their 70s. And, and, and we rolled in and walked in the door and these gentlemen sit down. He went and woke his wife up. So I got some boys here, they look hungry. I wish they'd have asked me, I just ate. So she roused herself out of bed and she came into the kitchen and started cooking. He turns to me and he said, what's your favorite cake? And I said, chocolate. He said, make sure they get a chocolate cake too. And she started baking a cake. I felt bad for her. As we sat there, they got everything ready. Man, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning before we got done. And can I tell you, chocolate cake is not a good thing to eat before you go to bed? You're like this? That was back in the days I'd never drank a cup of coffee. Chocolate cake with chocolate frosting. The frosting on top was like this thick. It was perfect. But they prepared that after we got there. That isn't how God works. Even Jesus said, you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Are. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you so that when you come, you can be where I am. You see that? He prepares before we get there. You need to know something this morning. It flips a switch in your mind. When you understand something, in Christ, you are already delivered. In Christ, the need is already met. In Christ, this problem is already solved. In Christ, you have won. Turn to the person next to you and say, you've won. (coughs) And he gives us the future. 
He gives us a future. Everybody say give. He gives us a future. You don't chase after your destiny. He gives us a future. He gives it to you. I'm, I'm convinced that if you're chasing a destiny, it may be a destiny of your own making. He gives you a future. But there's more to the story. You see, what I, I preached, you, you probably could have heard anywhere else, and, and all, all of that's true. But, but the Bible talks about rightly dividing the word. We, we, we're not allowed to just go in there and pick out part of what is said, take it out of the context and just put it on a poster and now it becomes truth. Can I tell you that if it doesn't line up with the will of God, it's not the will of God? And with him, it's the whole truth. It's not partial. The Bible talks about we have to rightly divide it. Be careful. It's like your child who they've really been slacking on, on doing their chores. And, and so you've you know, you got to dress them down. You bring them in. Listen. You have a list of chores. You're supposed to be doing that. You're not doing your chores. It's expected of you as a contributing member of this family to do this. And, and listen, there, there's a reward for doing your chores as, as being peace. And, and listen, you, you, I want to incentivize you. I want you to begin to do your chores. And listen, ma'am, you be faithful to do your chores. I'll give you a candy bar. That child gets up and says, Dad, give me a candy bar. No, 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 that's not the whole story. The whole, the whole story is get your chores done. Jeremiah 29, same chapter, seven verses earlier. This takes nothing away. In fact, it adds to the story. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel... Listen carefully. Unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. They're, they're in a bad place. They're in Babylon. That's the, the epitome of the bad. Jerusalem is the epitome of the good. Listen to me. They were in Jerusalem. And they got carried from Jerusalem into Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, and he's as bad as they get. He's demanding everybody bow down to worship him, and that's the dude. And the children of Israel are in Babylon and they're crying out to God and saying, God, deliver us from this wretched man. And God says, I have a word for all of my people that I caused. I know you aren't hearing this anywhere else. I caused to be taken out of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. 
into Babylon. Here's his word to them. Build ye houses and dwell in them and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters and and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters. You know what he's saying? Can I tell you something? You pray something contrary to the will of God, you're just wasting your time. And these people of God who have been taken from Jerusalem in the midst of Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar's there, and we're sure that God wants to strike him down. Are you with me? We're sure God wants to change that, that we're praying that. And so finally God says, listen, Jeremiah, I want you to take this word to that people I keep hearing from, and I want you to tell them that I'm the one This isn't popular, is it? I'm the one that took them from the peace of Jerusalem and stuck them into the chaos of Babylon. And they're standing at the door with their bags packed, waiting for me to deliver them. But here's my word. Build houses bear children, raise them, let them get married, plant gardens, eat the fruit. How about the person next to you say, Pastor may have lost it. Let's continue to read. That you may be increased there I'm talking to somebody this morning you you have your bags packed you are you are so 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 tired of your situation and you're standing at the door waiting for God to just send the cab to pick you up and move you somewhere and God is saying unpack the bags Settle down. Build. But you're going to be there a while. The Lord started pouring this message into my heart by saying it's a word of deliverance. Hear me out. For too long the church has wanted God to bring us peace by changing our circumstances. We want, we want God to put us in the middle of a field of daisies. 72 degrees. The wind is blowing. So we can sip our tea. And we like that, don't we? Tiptoe through the tulips comes to mind. Remember Tiny Tim? Whatever happened to him? John, sing that song for us, would you please? Just like Tiny Tim did. And listen, listen, this is, this is how, 
This is how Christians want their Christianity to go. No problems. No bothersome neighbors. Husband and wife that treat us like gold. Family that dotes on us. No financial issues. We just want to live in peace. We want God just to increase us here. And here's the problem with that. I don't need God to get peace here. And I'm not going to win anybody to God here. I might win them to my lifestyle, but they don't see God here. What God is saying, no, no, no. I'm the one who picked you up and sat you in the middle of that storm. And there is where I want you to have peace. While everything around you is going bad. Because now you're not going to win converts to your lifestyle. They're going to say, dude, how can you sit there like that? Oh, I love this teeth. I even got my pinky up. How, how can you... How can you be so calm when everything is falling apart? And you say, let me tell you about my storm guy. So Jesus tells his people... You're going to be there a while. Because I sent you there. That you may be increased there and not diminished. That's a word. You, you think you're going to diminish there. No, that, that's where. That's where you're going to increase. Two years ago, I talked about your place. The power of your place. There is a place for you. And God says, I'm, I'm going to increase you there. But he can't increase us there if we're standing here with our bags packed saying, I can't wait for the cab to come pick me up to take me back to Jerusalem. He's not going to increase you in Jerusalem. He's going to increase you there. And seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall you have peace. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I took you, the bearer of the peacemaker... And I put you into the middle of that chaos so that you could change it. And we will never change it if we're standing at the door crying, God, send the cab to get me out of here. Get you out of there. I sent you there. Build a house. Have children. Raise them up. 
Verse 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. You know what he's telling them? You, you have the prophets that are telling you that, that God's going to change your situation and get you out of there. They'll prophesy what you want to hear. I know of, of ministers who have told people to get out of their marriage because they're unhappy. Because God doesn't want you unhappy. There's been no adultery. There's been no abuse. They're just incompatible. Well, guess what? I'm incompatible with every other human being on this planet. And so are you. Come on. Let's get real for a moment. Not everybody thinks just like I do. Somebody say praise the Lord right there. They ought to be running and shouting, okay? Not everybody thinks just like me. And not everybody thinks just like you. That's why you get irritated once in a while at the driver or the neighbor or the person in front of you who has 14 things in the line that says 12 items or less. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Until I'm the guy. It's only 14, come on. What's the big deal? How many know what I'm talking about? It's only 14. But you stand in line, the guy ahead of you, and you count the things in his basket. Oh, I know, I, I know what I'm talking about. I do too. I, sir, could you move? I'm trying to count the things in your basket. So you got two extra. What are you going to do with those? I'm behind you in line. You ain't checking those out while I stand here. No. I ain't got time for 14 items. I got time for 12. Which two do you want me to put back for you? You are not totally compatible with any other human being on this planet. Somewhere along the way, there's a rub. That's how Shakespeare would put it. There's the rub. But he's put us where we are to effect a change. Hear me. I'm not talking about a place of physical or sexual abuse. But we got to be careful lest we don't become spiritual whiners. Jesus understood this when he was talking to the Father in, in the book of John. I'm just going to paraphrase. He said, Father, I'm, 
I'm challenged because you gave them to me. I'm about to leave this world and I'm having to leave them here. That's what he said. And he, his heart was towards them. He knew what they faced. He said, they're going to hate you because they hated me. So he said, Father, keep them. Keep them in thy word or by thy word. The only way to keep them is by the word. And listen, the word is, you may be stuck where you're at for a long time. I'm not going to be a false prophet. You may be stuck there. You may be stuck every week wondering if you're going to be able to pay the bills. You may be stuck at a job that doesn't fully appreciate you. You may be stuck doing a ministry that you don't get the encouragement you deserve. Anybody? You may be stuck in a marriage where it feels like you're doing more giving than getting. You may be stuck in a neighborhood that, man, I wished I lived somewhere else. You may be stuck with a roommate that you just can't stand. I'm going to guess in prison you don't get to pick your roommate. I don't think they have matchmaker in, in prison where you sit down and interview people. I'm checking out to see if you're going to be my roommate. They just, they just throw you in prison together. Work it out. Amen? So we would say to God, I'm in a mess. I, I, need out of this, I need out of this relationship. I need out of it. And God would say, I understand you're in a bad relationship. But that changes nothing. I know the thoughts I have towards you. He's saying, get my thoughts. I have them. What's wrong is your perspective there is what's wrong. Our perspective, we think we want, we want God to put us there. And he said, you don't do me a bit of good up there. I want to put you right here in the middle of the storm. And I want you to know my thoughts towards you. And let that become your reality. So that in the midst of the storm, you're living my reality, and those outside of a relationship with me will see you. We want to hide our light under the bushel basket, and God says, no, I want to find a dark place, and I want to put you in the middle of that dark place, and I want to have a relationship with you, and in the midst of everybody else around you diminishing, you're going to increase. In the midst of everybody around you being in turmoil and stressed, you're going to be sipping tea with your finger up in the air the way it's supposed to because you will be light to me then. But Father, they don't love me. And he says, it changes nothing. I know the thoughts I have towards you. It needs to get to the place that's, that's the only thing that matters, folks, is our, his thoughts towards us so that we live and move and have our being in him. 
And we would say, well, God, I deserve to make more money. And he says, I know you deserve to make more money, but I know the thoughts that I have towards you. But God, I'm not treated right. I know you're not treated right, son or daughter, but they're going to hell unless somebody reaches them. And I know the thoughts I have towards you. And so you can ignore the thoughts what other people have towards you if you focus on the thoughts that he has towards you. I want to tell you something. One moment in glory. One moment in glory will make it all worthwhile. Every complaint we have down here, every objection we've had with our life, every struggle, everything, in one moment, in one moment, it's all worth it. Listen to me, in one moment, one moment, it's all worth it. And then we have an eternity to spend with God. But in one moment, and I think maybe in that moment, we'll have an understanding of the lives that we've impacted. Because we were willing to be here instead of being there. I know some believers. I know some believers that know the word of God. They have a great head knowledge about the word of God, but they don't know the author. And and they missed it. People like that missed it when Jesus came. They were all looking for him. Looking for him and looking for him. And he walks up and taps them on the shoulder and they said, Quit bothering us. We're looking for the Savior. I'm being serious. He went to the temple. He asked for the book to be delivered to him. He opened it up and he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He handed the book back. He sat down and he said, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And they sought to kill him. He had to sneak out of the building. He had to worm his way out because he didn't come looking like they, they wanted. And we're living in a day and an age where the church thinks that's the epitome of Christianity. Can I tell you that this is the epitome? That in the midst of hell and chaos and abuse and lack of love and lack of respect and lack of honor, I can say I don't really care. Because now I know the thoughts you have towards me. It's peace, not of evil. Brother P.A.V. Samuels dear friend of mine from Kerala State southern part of India they had preached and their, their crusade had gone well and there's quite a Muslim population that got upset so on the last day of the crusade they showed up by the thousands and he said when they, when they got finished and he began to head home some of them confronted him 
and threatened him with violence. And I'm telling you what he said. They threatened him with violence. And he said, unless my father says so, you can't harm me. He's just a short little guy, very unassuming man. <laughs> and he said, one guy pulled back and went, that's as far as it went. I said, what did you do? He said, I just smiled, nodded, and I walked home. When you walk with the peace of God, it's the protection of God. When you know and live the thoughts of God towards you, as my wife said this morning, God before you, can be against you. Would you stand your feet this morning? That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.